this is a unique experience for me in front of the church sitting down at a table. So just as a, as a backdrop, what we're going to be doing today is we are going to be engaging in a conversation, really. Uh, I'm going to be firing some questions at uh, our very amazing panel of, of guys here. Thanks so much for doing this. I think I'm going to be like Moses uh, this afternoon. I'm going, to, I'm going to be glowing just hanging out with this wisdom. No, seriously, this is actually, this is truly, this is an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. It really is. So what we're going to be doing is we are going to be engaging in a conversation about community, about being rooted uh, within, within the church and within our city. And so we're going to, we're just, time is short. We've got 50 minutes, 5-0. So we're just going to jump right into this thing. It's going to be very much a free-flowing conversation. So I'm going to be sending some questions to these guys, but as they see uh, good jumping off points, good teaching points, good points of illustration, they're going to jump in and, and that's what we're going to do. So my first question is just to set a backdrop is why this conversation? Why are we talking about community as opposed to all of the wisdom that you'll have for marriage or all of the wisdom that you'd have for raising up children? Why community? Uh, first of all, I just want to say these these conversations have been amazing, and uh, I, I want to particularly thank Everett for your just incredible support. Uh, last week, you came up just raving about how you love the conversations format, and I've been particularly enjoying the interaction and the dialogue uh, the past three weeks, and Mike, thank you so much for moderating this and diving into the conversation. Uh, I'm not going to allow Mike just to be an interviewer today because he has so much wealth of wisdom to contribute to this conversation. So I'm going to be pulling him in to this as well. Uh, I'll take a stab at this first. I think when we sat down and we engineered what we wanted this series to look like, uh, we sat down and said, what are some of the pillars that we believe that Antioch is being built on? Now, there are a number of things that we could have highlighted. Uh, the first week we talked about worship and we wanted to explain more, what are some of the uh, underpinnings that gird up our philosophy of ministry on worship, why we worship the way we do, and how we're going about doing that. Last week, we talked about missions, and why do we approach uh, outreach to the nations the way that we do. Uh, when we thought about uh, the, the, another pillar about what makes us who we are, uh, one of the things that we've been growing in personally is the nature of church as family. Uh, the church is not just business. The church is not just an organization. Uh, the church is not just a gathering that we come to. But when we look throughout all the analogies and the metaphors that uh, the scriptures utilize, it is deeply relational. And we're going to go into what that deeply deep relationship looks like. But uh, I think this is counterintuitive. Uh, the more that I assess culture, the more things that I read, and the more that I just interact with people and knowing myself and knowing the nature of the human heart, uh, I realize this is not something that we naturally gravitate towards. And so there are things that we do in the context of community or under that umbrella of family in Antioch that I think are very different. And we felt like those things needed some explanation. Enough said. <laughs> so I'm going to look when we, when we talk about community, uh, one of the first things we're going to want to do is actually define community because people have a lot of different ideas as to what that looked like. Zooming out even a little bit further, there is, there is a, a lot of pain, quite honestly, associated with the idea of community, a lot. So just as a little bit of uh, transparency here, the five of us at this table, raise your hand if you've been hurt by church community. <laughs> not, not this one. <laughs> that's Because I'm still saying so that's, that's, that's why, why I have I, a panel, keep myself out of trouble. I have definitely been hurt by this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there, there's a little bit of truth to that, and we're going to delve into that. Okay, so just so we're clear, out of the five men sitting up here, all five have been hurt by church community. And so as we have these, con this, not just this conversation today, but as we have these conversations in your small groups, with your family, and just the various conversations that you have in the coming weeks, understand that there can be pain associated with this. And so when you're speaking about it from your perspective, 
Be aware of the pain that's there and that God is going to want to heal that and that there's opportunity for healing. And when you're speaking to somebody about their experience, understand that they might be working through that pain. This is not a, this is not a, are you pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation kind of conversation that's very academic. You see what I'm getting at? It's very academic and it's not necessarily deep and personal. It's an academic. This is way more than an academic conversation. This is probably about as personal a conversation as you can possibly have. So we need to be aware as a church body that when we're talking about this, that these, these, these hot buttons, these emotional, ah, whatever the word I'm looking for is, that those are there. So I, I want to make sure that everybody is comfortable with that and that this is not like, oh, it's easy, it's a piece of cake, no problem. No, this is huge and this is, th- th- it has a lot of significance to it. Okay, so we're going to frame our conversations with that. So let's go ahead and let's, let's define community. Because I think community might be, eh, I'm hanging out with Elliot Bannister and my son Tyler to watch a football game this afternoon. Right. Elliot, are you coming over this afternoon, by the way? <laughs> um, somebody else might have a very different idea of community. So let, let's go ahead and do that. All right, so a definition that you can find um, in the dictionary says it's a unified body. So a community is a unified body, a group of people living and interacting with one another in a particular environment. So this would be our environment. This would be our environment as Antioch family or one body that's unified. You can see it in the Bible in numerous different ways. You hear the word context of family or you hear body or every time that you see that little phrase, one another. That's two people or more, one another with one another. And so biblically, you see that in the community. And Dan, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, about what that looked like and some things you said there. Well, I think the definition is a good start for community. It's a good starting place. But if we look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, um, it describes the nature of the lifestyle of the believer at that time. And it says they were continually devoting themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' teaching, and to prayer. And the thing, the thing about that word fellowship, and, and we've heard this in different messages and, and in different contexts, but... The thing that really stands out to me about the word fellowship is that it's not a, a loose affiliation. It's not time spent in the presence of someone else. So if I'm sitting next to Pastor Jade, which I am, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm fellowshipping with him. We can even be talking about things that we like, and that doesn't mean we're fellowshipping. The actual Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, kind of paints the picture of life that is lived together. It goes beyond superficiality and it dries down deep where our edges are blunted against one another. Our, our hearts are grown. There's a commitment and a devotedness that goes beyond um, even, I would say, um, likes or affinities or, or common interests. And so the Christian or the biblical understanding of, of community goes far deeper than I think what culture has tried to frame community as. I would say it even goes deeper than friendship. Well, I think tying the first and the second question together, what we have to realize is that um, essentially all of Paul's epistles are written to groups of people that are trying to figure out what it is to be the body of Christ together. They are trying to figure out what it is to live in holy community. We see this in Ephesians. We see this in Philippians. We see this in First and Second Timothy. We see this in almost all of Paul's letters. So it's important for us to realize that, yes, culture has changed. And the way that we communicate and where we live and the distance between us, a lot of these things have changed from the time that Paul wrote these letters. But there are principles of things that were important enough for him to write individual letters to the Corinthians that say different things than he wrote to the Ephesians, that say different things than he wrote to the people of Colossia. So there, it's not just this static scientific thing that it is to be community. It's, it's partly that and it's partly learning to live in love with one another. And every human being is different, therefore love to David and love to Dan from me looks different. And so this is a a really complicated issue, which is why there's so much written on it. So let's keep diving in. Uh, Just a a couple of thoughts. I'm going to tag off of what Dan said here about the, the biblical understanding of community 
uh, tying into that understanding of koinonia, is it is a mutual trading of lives. It is, I'm sharing in your life and you are sharing in my life. And this is, when we get to this, this is why the table is so important. And it's one of the reasons why the, the first church, they, they rallied around the table because it was such a sacramental picture of sharing of lives, that we're actually partaking of lives one with another, the good and the bad. Uh, inherent within that uh, means that there is a mutuality, which means to be in true community, you are giving, but you're also receiving. And we've all been a part of communities where we do all the giving and we have little receiving. And we've been in part of communities where other people are just doing all the receiving and they're not doing very much giving. Now, there are seasons in the long stretch, and I think this is important for us to understand from a pastoral context. There are seasons in my marriage where I need to receive more than I can give. It doesn't mean that I just take, take, take and never give anything back. It just means that there might be times or stretches in the season of my marriage where I'm going to be receiving a little bit more than I'm giving. And this is why relationships and true biblical community is not a transaction. It's not something where we keep ledgers one with another. It's not that, uh, you know, Christy's going, well, you only gave 40% this week and I gave, I gave 100% this week. And so next week I get to give 60% and you have to give 80. That's not how things work. We're, we, we're committed to the mutual sharing of our lives and the mutual giving and receiving to the degree that we can by the grace and empowerment of God. And then we, we zoom out and we carry that into this body. And there's a lot of practical uh, analogies and explanations of what that looks like, not the least of which is when people serve. So when people serve upstairs right now, we're enjoying this great conversation, and they're enjoying a lot of screaming, crying babies. And, and, and what happens here over the long haul, over the, the long course of time, if we don't keep these kind of things in mind, those kind of people that we're receiving from, they're going to say, I, can't, I have nothing else to give because there's not enough people in the family or in the community that are also giving. So to be in biblical community, we have to trade this responsibility to both give and receive. I'd like to tie, uh, tag off of some, a couple of things that David actually said very, very quickly, uh, or he said them quickly, and there was some, some serious nuggets in there. Uh, looking at the biblical language, you mentioned, you mentioned body and you mentioned family. And so when you think about the word community, which you really don't see in Scripture, but you consistently see references to family, adoption, Brothers, and you see body, particularly if you're really wanting to dive into some scripture to really settle yourself as to whether this community community idea is is optional. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, go to Romans 12. Both of those chapters are steeped in the analogy of the body and how in the world can a body function if not all the parts are there and if not all the parts are not functioning properly and healthy and even considering one another, the one part better than the other, me considering David greater than myself. So when you, the community is actually a little bit of a, I don't want to say diluted, but it has, it's a less strong word. I mean, that, that, the grammar on that's really bad, but it, body and family is a much stronger word. You don't get out of a body. I mean, if, if you don't have a hand, you don't have a hand and, and your reality changes significantly. You don't leave a family. You're born into it. That's it. That is your family. And so when we talk about community, uh, th that's a, even a little bit safer word than what scripture would lay out. Uh, the other thing that I would, I would point to would be, you mentioned the one another's. There is, and, and I, I forgot what the count was, it's 150 some odd verses that refer to the phrase one another. 150, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. It's a round number. And, and we're being exhorted in verbs with verbs like spur one another on, carry each other's burdens, pray for one another, spur one another on to good deeds. You cannot possibly do those things if you're not in significant relationship with one another. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's let's go to our next section here on our outline and 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 talk about why community. And so I, I gave you guys a head up. I kind of came up with my own question this morning. Dan, I'm going to strap you down to the chair because I know you've got a, a good solid response for us. Is community optional? 
All right, Pastor Jay said he's going to back clean up. So here we go. Um, I think in in many ways, uh, community is is not optional. At least it doesn't appear that way in Scripture. Um, when we when we look at God's work in the world, it appears that most of what God is doing in the world, and, and actually Dr. Jim said this last night, he chooses to do through his image-bearing creatures. And <clears throat> that is, there is a name for a group of the image-bearing creatures, and that is the church. Um, the church is the primary place where God is, is acting in the world. God is acting in the church, and through the church, he is redeeming in the process of using us to redeem all things. And so there, there is, uh, it's complicated because we're talking about local church, we're talking about global church, we're talking about church universal, but I think living in community is not optional. And for one other reason, um, that, that love and forgiveness and kindness, uh, those are just ideas if you're not living in community. There's no way for those things to be fleshed out and worked out. I mean, it's easy to think that you're a really compassionate, loving person if you live on an island by yourself. Because it's easy to feel bad for yourself, right? <laughs> Haven't we all experienced that? So. <laughs> um, tagging off of what Jonathan's saying here, uh, it's, it's easy to be right. If it's just you, you're always right by yourself. You always have the right idea if it's just you. Your ideas are not wrong until you submit them to somebody else. Until you say, hey, what do you think? And you're like, I wasn't thinking that. And, and now we have real conflict. Now we have life on life. And now we get to see what it's like. I'll give you just an example. It just even in this context right here, um, I got in, invited into this group or this community, and I was not the greatest of um, lover of the outdoors at all, at all. But I at always all. thought at I was all. right. I always thought I was right. Like, hey, there's so much more to learn in the city than to go outside in those trees and be with those other things. And so there was a piece of me, <laughs> there was a piece of me that said, hey, at that time I was right and I don't have to like submit that into a group. Okay, everyone's not going to do things our way, but if you're, and you don't know that until you're with another group of people, and then you realize you don't do it that way, and you don't like these certain things, and now we rub up against each other, but I still have to submit and love you. I still have to choose to deliberately love you and forgive you and to hold on to you in every waking moment of what's going on in our lives, and so to submit to this conversation is just, yes, you don't know that outside of the context of community, and I would say community is not optional. My hand doesn't get the choice to say, oh, I just want to work today and not work today. When it doesn't work, then we start having problems. We start having different problems of, hey, you're supposed to work a certain way. You're supposed to close a certain way. Then we have to focus on this problem area. And so there's a lot of, of things that we could talk about there. I think the, the way that I would approach this is it really depends on who you're talking to. Is it optional? Is community optional? And I would say if you claim to be a part of the body of Christ, then no, communion with the body is not optional. And so kind of moving forward from there and using the body, and, and David, you kind of touched on this, what happens to a digit when it is no longer a part of the body? It, it, it's gross is gross. I don't want to get too graphic here, but this is rated PG. So, you know, but the thing is, is that it will die. It will decay and it does not receive nutrients. Now think about this guys. It, it does not receive nutrients. It does it can, it loses strength over a period of time. It loses form. It loses purpose. And all these things happen when it is divorced from the body. And the same is true for the Christian. And if I look back on my life personally, and, and, and I think about the, mo the darkest moments of my life thus far, with, with almost absolute certainty, I can say every single time there was a measure of isolation. 
There was a measure of isolation. And here's the thing that concerns me the most when today in our culture, when we run into difficult times, our first reaction is isolation. So to answer your question, is community optional? Well, if you want life and strength and nutrients and purpose, then then no, it is not optional. Alyssa, can we throw scriptures on the screen? Awesome. I don't want to get all hyper teacher here, but I just think uh, the scriptures are going to tell us a lot. Right now, uh, we're giving a lot of commentary on the scriptures, but let's go, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and then we're going to go from there to John 17. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and we're going to throw that on the screen so everyone can take a look at this at the same time. And the question that we're interacting with here is, is community optional? And my answer is, uh, yes, it is optional. And no, it's not optional. Okay, and so I'm going to hit this from two different angles. Uh, The first is, and I'm going to use a really huge word here, ontologically. And all that means is, in the essence of who we're called to be, our essence, uh, it is not optional because we were birthed into a family. When, when, we were, when, we, when we accepted Christ, we were these free radical individuals, and when we said yes, by implication and by nature, we automatically became a part of a family. So it is not optional. We are in community, whether we like it or not. Let, let's take a look here. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, you are a chosen people. Notice he didn't say you're chosen individuals. You are a chosen people. The scriptures are always written to a group of people, the people of God that were called out from the world to be God's special people from Abraham through the exodus of Moses, all throughout the kings, into exile from Jesus, and now at the birth of the early church, we have always been called to be a people of God. He will, he will work through individuals, but he always works through individuals connected to his larger purpose of redeeming his people in the world. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So is community optional? Not according to 1 Peter 2, 9, because we are a people that are belonging to God. Look at verse 10, though. It says, once you were not a people. So once I had the liberty, I had the option of not laying down my life, of not abiding by these one another's, of not thinking about myself. Once I was an individual man, I wasn't married. Once I could get up and go whenever I wanted to. Once the idea of dying to myself, that was all optional. Now that I have made a covenantal relationship that has brought me into union and communion with my wife and children, that's not, it's not optional. And from an, from an essence standpoint, I belong to this family. Are we, all, are we all together on this? Look at John chapter 17, and let's look at verse 20 and 21. John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. This is the prayer of Jesus in the garden. And he called this the high priestly prayer. He's praying this right before he's about to lay his life down for the redemption and the salvation of the world. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples that were at that moment in time walking with him. He says, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us. So Jesus, thousands of years ago, was praying for us because he knew how difficult walking out the reality of community and family and body life is. Look at verse 21. I pray that all of them may be one just as you are in me and I am in you. So throughout all of eternity, the Trinity has functioned, and we can call it in family, we can call it relational community, we can call it mutual submission. The Trinity functions ontologically as a community. They're not separated. Father, Son, and Spirit aren't. They're not all separated. They function in union one with another. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm praying that the same level of, of, of essence of union that my people would experience that. So, in our essence, community is not optional. Now, like everything in the Christian life, it is optional because we choose to what degree we will participate. We choose because God honors us and he honors the image that he has made in us. We get to choose how much of this community we get to to enjoy. We get to choose how much of this family. I get to choose whether or not I'm going to be faithful to my family. That's a choice that I make. And with that choice comes blessing. And when I choose the other, there 
there comes very, very difficult times and hardship and consequence comes as a result of the choices I do or don't make. Wow. That was, that was excellent. Thank you. So if we've, I think, done a fantastic job of in 10 minutes showing the, I think, the biblical mandate for community, let, let's, go, let's go deeper on that. We, we, we do it because we're commanded to, right? We're going to do everything that Scripture tells us to because we're commanded to, but there's blessing in obedience. To, blessing is released when we're obedient to Scripture's commands, right? So, so what are the blessings that flow out of the obedience? Um, there's, there's a few blessings that I'll just touch on, um, and I'll touch on personally within this community here at Antioch. There are many of you that are aware of my, my little girl. Her name's Brielle, and that blessing that is she is to me. But the fact that I'm in this community shows and heightens. I mean, I can, I can see how she is being shaped and formed because she's part of this community because she's part of the Antioch community. I can look at numerous faces in this room and be like, oh my goodness, that person has shaped Brielle in this way. Or that person, you know, this little phrase has come from this person. Or she wants to do this because she's been around this person. And that's why the community is so important for me and what I say in the blessing side when you say, you know, kind of what's making this worth it or what's the blessing out of that is that there are things that you get shaped inside of community that you would not get outside of community. You know, I have become a greater dad. I've become a better dad because I'm in the context of community. There are things that have been shared at tables, at dinner tables, of ideas and concepts and lessons that we've learned as fathers that we share at this table. And they were like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to start doing that in my family. I'm going to start doing that in our group and so in our family. And so those are ways that I've seen blessing on a personal level just to touch on that. And even speaking to David's experience, you guys, he grafted himself. This is not a passing association or an agreement or an academic agreement, but that God is God. This is something where he grafted into the life, into our lives, and we all have been sharpened by it. So I want to just make that clear. The other thing is for me, me and just my story, I grew up in a family that moved every three years. Until I moved here in 2005, I actually had never lived in a city longer than four years. So that, that's a lot of moving. And I moved here in t- when I was 25. So that's a lot of moving. And um, here's, here's what I'll tell you about moving. Transiency like that lends to an, a... Um, I started to believe that what I wanted to be was who I was. I believed that, so, so every three years, I'd reinvent myself. Every three or four years, I'd say, okay, I'm going to learn from my past, which is a great thing. I didn't like this about myself, so now I'm going to go into this new situation, and I'm not going to be that. And by the force of my will, I would act differently. But it wasn't until I moved here, and I had lived here for three, five 10 years that I realized that I might act differently, but I was not in fact different. And it took the community and being rooted in a community for a longer period of time for me to be transformed, to be changed, to be faced with my insecurities because I couldn't leave my insecurities in the last city. And I, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, so this, this to me, the benefit and the blessing that comes with community is this, it's transformation. And without the community, we limit our transformation according to what we think is true. In the isolation, in the vacuum of my wants and my desires, I determine how I'm being changed. I just want to tag on something uh, that Dan said. Um, when Dan was telling the story about being transient and, and going back and forth, and he could, they would choose to move, right? Military, you're like being moved. And, and I've lived in Colorado Springs since 1989. And when I got here, um, we're from California, and I, you know, I'm the oldest of six kids. And we move out here, and I, I roll up into here, and I see all these military men. And, and my mom said this story so many times. She's like, you guys were like pointing at them. Mom, there's G.I. Joes. And we're, like, we're pointing at them, because that's what we knew of Army military base. We didn't know anything else. And when Dan kind of like shared that story, 
story of transiency that he was moving location to location, I started thinking about my own life and what it was like here in College Springs. And what I realized is I was doing something very similar to what Dan was doing, but I would just change groups of friends. I'd be like, oh man, they're starting to get really close and I don't like them because they're like trying to point stuff out and, or, they, or they would leave me. They, I'd be in a group of friends and then they'd no longer be friends with me. And so I found myself reinventing myself in the same city, just going to different groups of friends and saying, oh, well, I just like different groups of people, so I'm just gonna go to different groups of people, and that's what I've bought into. Like, I would just go from one group to another group and another group, and really just had, was able to chameleon myself in those groups and make it look like I'm that kind of group. I'm that kind of person. Rather than, and then when I got here, that, that, that all changed. I, I, I've told these guys before. When I got here in uh, October of 2008, it's going to be eight years next month that I've been part of the Antioch family. And when I got here, like I got, yeah, I grafted myself in, but here's what I know now, and this is a blessing. Here's what I know now. They're not going to let me leave. No, 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 this is, this is, and not in like a dictatorship or, you know, any of those kind of ways. Like, it's like, they're not going to let me leave. Why? Because I know this. I know that they'll actually come get me if I try to leave because they're like, that's not you. That's not you. And this is where you're, where you belong. That's a blessing. That's a gift. Why? Because I know someone will always carry me when it's needed. When you're on your own and when you're by yourself, you can't be carried by yourself. You can't carry you. Try it. But you can't. Physically, and Matt's looking at me like, you really, you can't. It's not possible. So I, I would say, you know, just in that transiency as we see that, like I put myself back in this group and found a way to do that. So, uh, I think one of the blessings is for me that I don't think the way that I used to think because of community. Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, we know the verse, and we actually talked about it a good bit in our worship conversation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'm going to get real honest and transparent here. Um, I, I'm, I'm very privileged. And there's a lot of people in this country, and there's a lot of people in our church that do not or did not grow up with the same privileges that I did. People who have come from other countries, people of other ethnicities. There are a lot of people that have had struggles in life that I have never had and probably will never have for my own self. And without community, <clears throat> people like me are able to go their whole lives believing the same things that they've always believed because they don't, they're not forced to rub shoulders with people that are not like them. I mean, think about the rest of life. We get to choose our communities, right? And even in church, to some degree, we get to choose where we work. Um, even in this wonderful city, we can choose where our kids go to school or to keep them home. We can choose what grocery stores we shop at. There, we get to choose all of these things, and Pastor just talked about this, but part of the beauty of being in a church is that I shouldn't get to choose the people that are around me here. I am forced to rub shoulders with people who have different experiences than me, <laughs> think differently, uh, had, have different stories of how they got here, and that is all a part of my process of transformation, as Dan just talked about, if I choose to engage it and allow the Holy Spirit to use it. I'm actually going to pull from responses from some of the men at our men's retreat this past weekend. Uh, so for those of you guys who weren't aware, we took about 45 guys up to the mountains. And yesterday morning, we had two panels, four guys each on the panels. And a lot of the things that they said speak of the fruit of the benefits of living in this family relationship one with another. Uh, one of the young sons, Elliot, said, I am on a lifelong journey of learning what it means to be a son and being rooted in community helps me do that. I'm on a lifelong journey of understanding what it means to be a son and the community, the family of God that I've rooted myself in, that God has called me to, is helping me understand who I am as a son. And that right there, that's worth it all. Uh, Matt Copper says, at different times in our journey, when we wanted to leave, we became an anchor one for another. And we had to confront ourselves and say, is God calling us to another people? Or are we just experiencing the uncomfortability of our stuff coming to the surface in the context of commitment to a people? That is fantastic. 
And what we have to understand, and Mike may lead us here, is that, is that when we choose to commit on a heart level, when we choose to buy in, our stuff is going to come to the surface. And this is what Dan is saying, and that's a blessing. That's a blessing because we don't really know who we are outside of our stuff coming to the surface, which leads to another thought here is that in the context of community, our stuff not only gets exposed, it gets healed because it gets loved. It gets loved. And we, 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 we don't really get to experience the transformation of sonship when we hide the ugly parts of who we are. We get to experience the transformation of sonship when the ugly parts are revealed in the context of community and we're no longer hiding, we're not ashamed of it, we're no longer putting on another face. We, let, we dare to let someone love us with our ugliness, not in spite of it. This is, these, are, these are the answers of our men, you guys. Uh, Everett Ford said that community and rooting into a community grounds you. And, uh, you know, one of the statements that I wrote of here is that being with a rooted people roots me. It's a benefit of being in community. I'm no longer allowed to be a vagabond, a gypsy, a nomad, a selfish, uh, you know, wanderer when I'm rooted to a people. Because what I do matters, and when I'm, with, when I'm with fathers that have stayed with their wives and their children for years, it forms me. It shapes me. And now, all of a sudden, my wife becomes the recipient of my choice to become a rooted man in community. My children won't experience the things that I experienced. There will be a level of security and authority that they walk in because daddy chose to be rooted because of a people. Because of a people. Uh, one, one last thought here, Mike, and uh, just, uh, let's see here, Tori, no, oh, this was so amazing, Tori was talking, Everett, Everett was talking about um, coming to men's prayer, and he says, I come to men's prayer every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. simply because the Lord told me to, and I said yes, and Mike said, thank you for saying yes, and Jeff said, you strengthen me just by being here. What's the benefit of being in community? Your very presence does something to other people. The very fact that you chose to show up today, believe it or not, believe it or not, the very fact that you showed up today is doing something for someone else in the larger body. Your face, your eye, your prayers, your hug, your handshake, your acknowledgement. And we prayed that in pre-service prayer. We prayed today, God, guide us by the leadership and the direction of your spirit that somebody here today is coming in weak or broken and we can be the, the, the voice of Jesus to root them deeper into you and into one another and those become amazing benefits. Do any, does anybody else want to add to, to this discussion that we're having? Because obviously when we talk about what, are, what, you know, what, what benefits, what blessings come out of this obedience, I mean, and as powerful as everything you all have just said, we're just scratching the surface. I mean, it, it, we're just scratching the surface. This is just, just 1% of, of what's, of what's right. available within community. I'll go maybe, super maybe. spiritual and super practical. How's that? Yeah. All right, super. So I think that when, and Jesus said this, John 13, 34 and 35, he says, a new command I give you, love one another, and that the world may know that you're my disciples. I, I, I think a lot of the times we have such a difficult time with evangelism because the world has for years sat back and looked at the way we've treated each other. And they said, if this is what it means to be saved, I really don't want anything to do with it. Because I see the way that you talk about each other and the way that you kick each other when you're down. And Jesus is saying, listen, your greatest witness is how you treat one another. It's better than your sermons. It's better than your flashy shows. It's better than your amazing music. People are looking at the way you treat those that are closest to you. And so from a super spiritual standpoint, one of the benefits of community is that God is glorified. And I think that as believers and followers of the way, every single one of us desire for Jesus to be maximally glorified. The very, very practical. Ecclesiastes says, how can two walk together unless they agree? And then he says, two are better than one. If one falls down, the other will help pick him up. Listen, I, I need help. I need help with so many things, from my personal character to moving. Let's get real, real practical. Yeah, I mean, we've got one of the greatest moving crews on the planet. And you guys know, because you guys called the day before and go, I need help. Okay? 
and you have a group of guys that go, all right, we're going to help you. In the future, it'd be nice if we had a little bit more of a heads up, and it'd be nice if your boxes were packed, so we're not just moving you. We want to move you, not pack you, okay? But from time to time, I understand if we got to pack you too. But listen, on a real practical level, okay, imagine those of you guys who have moved. How many guys have been the recipient of a moving crew from Antioch? Let me see your hands. Okay? A lot of us. And you know what? Here's the funny thing. A lot of people who have have left. That's just, that's, just, that's, just the, that's just the truth about it. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Imagine, all, imagine doing that by yourself. Okay? Super practical. Benefits of community, I get help. Awesome and rebuke accepted. <laughs> Can church go overtime? No, it can't. Okay. So we have, very practically speaking, we have 10 minutes left, okay? Look. Okay, we're, okay, we're going 15. That's fantastic. There are two other places that we really, two other areas that we really want to go to in the time we have left. One is, why not community? What's, what are the obstacles? What's the barriers? What are the resistance? And then beyond that, we want to cast ideas, uh, uh, allow people that are saying, how do I do this? What is this practical places? How to, and again, don't, do not hear this as, this, this is not a recruitment for ministry crew. Do not hear this. There's no ministry crew table sign up at the back of the, at the back of the auditorium. This is, okay. So in, in a, in a short amount of time, let's discuss the barriers, the challenges, the obstacles to doing this, because this is all fantastic, but when Monday morning hits, the first thing I'd like to address is the overarching Western church culture of consumerism and individualism. And when I say consumerism, what I'm referring to is, you know, that church is okay, but the worship just goes a little too long the pastor, I don't like his facial, you know, the things that we go to church, we go to church for what it can do for us, and if, we, if it doesn't check all of our boxes, and those boxes generally are pretty arbitrary, those boxes usually aren't even biblical, let's talk about consumerism and how rootedness and committedness is absolutely completely antithetical to that. Well, consumerism, it's kind of a big, big thing, right? Uh, Part of what the church is designed to be is the breeding ground for our holiness and our character. If the goal of this is for us to look like Jesus, then if everything goes according to the way that I like it to go, then there's probably no need for me to exercise forgiveness. It's probably not difficult for me to love my enemies because I don't have any, right? Um, So a, a lot of what we see in what it is to become like Jesus, to be transformed in our character, requires some form of opposition, Okay? And opposition can be, I just don't like their personality. I don't like the way that's structured. I don't like the way that that's set up. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Oh, goodness, I'll let Dan talk about feelings here in just a minute. But, but these things, how we respond to these things reveals, one, how deeply entrenched in consumerism we really are, and two, how much we're really serious about becoming like Jesus. Because we need opposition. We need things that we don't like. We need things that we don't agree with in order to learn how to respond with Christ-like character. That's one thing. Okay, real quickly, I think when I think about consumerism, I think first understanding, well, what does that really mean for me? I think consumerism really comes out of individualism. It's a preoccupation with self. And what comes out of that is a lot of things, but two that I've identified in my life is I have consumeristic tendencies that manifest in one, convenience. So we, cons- we want to consume things that are convenient or things that make my life more convenient. So 
I can't serve because it's too much time. I can't, you know, you know, and that's not to say that there's, you know, times we have to back away because time is too much. But what I'm saying is inconvenience becomes the determining factor in my participation in community. Why? Because that is a consumeristic Christianity. The other is pleasure. We consume things that are pleasurable to us. So if worship is not pleasurable, then I go to a different place. If, if, I, if this person I have to sit next to does not please me in my flesh, then I'm going to some place where my flesh will be pleased. Okay, so to me, I, I think consumerism really, it, it's like gangrene to community, biblical community as we've defined it thus far. If we're going to be long lasting, then we have to be, we have to love someone even when they rub us wrongly. We have to be able to participate in worship even when we don't like the song because worship's not about us. And see, and here's the thing, and this is where we, it gets down to it. Consumerism is all about me. Community is all about them. Um, I'm going to hit it from a different angle. Just uh, you said, why not community? Uh, I think a lot of the times that we choose not to get into community because we've been hurt by that community. We kind of alluded to that earlier. And um, to Dan's point, I think sometimes in our hurts, it, it's our hurt is all about us. Whenever we're, we're in misery, we think about us. That's what we're thinking about. I'm hurt. Why is everybody else not thinking about my hurt? They should be, you know, really helping me in my hurt. And it, it's all about me in that one moment. One of the greatest enemy, one of the greatest um, offenses to being hurt is to actually re-engage in community. Is actually put yourself back into the context of community. Um, a short, uh, just kind of testimony line. When I was eight years old, my family was actually kicked out of church from the pulpit to not come back to church anymore. At eight years old. Um, at, at 10 years old, we, I started at eight going to that church. And at 10 years old, we were kicked out of that church to say, hey, don't come back. And so in a family of eight at that time, um, one, now two, are actually re-engaging with the, with the church community. And that's years of time of that, that really happening. And so that's how long has kept them away from community or being a part of a community like this. And so I think one of those obstacles for us is hurt. But what I would encourage and what we encourage is get back into that. Because like what Pastor said earlier, one of the benefits of community is help. You can't, get, you can't help. In that time when you're falling down, you need that help. And so that would be something that I would say is an obstacle uh, to that um, why not community. Okay, I'm going to hit a number of different things here. So at our men's retreat, we actually asked this exact same question. And we opened it up to the group of men, and the 45 men came out, came back with 31 reasons. And that was just scratching the surface. 31 reasons that keep us from engaging in a rooted relationship one with another. And uh, one of those things that I'm going to hit on, I'm, I'm going to tie some of these thoughts together. So Dan mentioned, in, in terms of consumerism, he talked about convenience and pleasure. And, uh, and we can actually wrap in this idea of preference. When, when things aren't being done according to my preference, then we have somehow bought into the belief system that I really, get, I really have the luxury and the privilege of opting out if things aren't being done the way that I expect them to be done or the way that I want them to be done. But, but what we fail to realize is that that is, that is an anti-Christ and an anti-biblical approach to uh, scriptural principles. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, and Alyssa, can you just throw that up there very quickly? All, all of these things that we're talking about reveal a gross ignorance on what God's way is as it relates to us relating as a people. So it's really what it reveals. And it also reveals how deep Western uh, individualism has crept into the way that we now uh, interpret the scriptures and how we interpret. We, we elevate our preference and we elevate our pleasure and we elevate our convenience even over the, the truth of Scripture themselves. So essentially what we're doing is we're, we're, we're devaluing truth based on what our experience has been. Are you understanding that? 1 Corinthians 12, 18. If, we, if you can't, there we go. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, Mike asked on his panel, he asked Matt Copper a fabulous question yesterday. Matt made this statement. He says, I've been a part of Antioch Freedom Church in Springs Harvest for 10 years. 
And just in the past two years has this people felt like family. Now that says a lot about who Matt and Lana Copper are. It says a lot about their ability to stay faithful and committed and rooted regardless of how they feel because they said it has not felt like family. It has not felt pleasurable. It has not felt convenient. And it has not been my preference on the way to do things. So Mike came back with the ringer fastball and he says, so why in God's name would you have stayed in a place when it has not felt like family? And here's what Matt said, because God had not said to leave. Like when we get 1 Corinthians 12, 18 down, When we really understand this, let's let's just put that back on there. When we really understand that God has arranged us, this, this is why we don't go out and try to recruit people to be a part of this family. This is why we don't try to do a lot of, you know, uh, gimmicks to try to trick people into just being a part. We want people to know by conviction of God, God has called me here. Because if you know that God has called you here, you'll have grace for all of our dysfunction. You will have grace for our dysfunction. You will have grace for our imperfection. You will have grace for our bad days. You will have grace for our broken systems because there's tons of them. And those of you guys who have been a part of the family for a long time, you guys see them all. You see them all, okay? So then this ties into what David was saying. Here's, Here's the major impediment on why we choose to not engage in this. It's hurt and offense. It's hurt and offense. And so essentially what we're saying is, is that my hurt and my offense are actually more important than the truth of what God says. And we're also saying that the experience of my disappointment supersedes the everlasting truth of what God said. God said, I've formed you for family. And what we say is, we have the right to opt out of that family if my family hurts me. Now, I'm not talking about gross spiritual abuse, and I'm not talking about gross physical abuse or emotional abuse. Those go into a different category, and and definitely there's right to leave, and we we can talk about that another time. I'm talking about the preference, convenience, and pleasure, and preference issues where we get to opt out of what God has designed simply because something didn't happen the way that we wanted it to. Are, are, Are we clear on that? I want to throw this in as a as as a as a non-staff person. From my experience, the decision that Joe Churchgoer has to, the decision they have to make, what they have to process in order to really say I'm in is, do I trust the heart of the church? Because when you trust the heart, then you're okay working out the road bumps and the speed bumps and all of that. And even in the, in the, in the three years that I've been here and in some of the roles, uh, the, the responsibilities that I've been, I've been blessed for y'all to, 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 to give me the opportunity to serve under, when they're, they're, we, we've had things to, to work out. It's always about, do I trust their heart? And when you trust the heart, you're willing to go there. You're willing to say, okay, this isn't really. And so I would just encourage everybody that's listening to, that's really the heart of the matter. Do you trust the heart of those you're serving under? Certainly God's word is God's word. And when that's when you know you're buying in. That's how you say, yeah, I'm in. Because you're saying, I trust their heart and the the speed bumps, the challenges, we're going to work it out because that, that's when I feel safe when I trust your heart. Three minutes. I think it would be fantastic if we if we close this thing out by saying, okay, we've got folks sitting out there saying, yeah, I see the value of community. I understand that. Or I'm in a little bit of community. I want more community. Where do, the, where, where do, where do they go? Because different folks have different bandwidths. There, there's folks out there with five and six and eight kids. They're saying, my bandwidth on this is really limited. I've got work and I've got wife and I've got a mother-in-law I'm taking care of and I've got all of these things. How do I create community in the margins of my day? <laughs> D- David's over here going, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Well, why? The clock's ticking, so I'm going to jump in, and you guys can hit the practical things. I, I'm going to hit what I call the spirit of community, the spirit of membership, because we talked about this a couple of nights ago. There are some people, based on your stage of life, you can give more because you have more time, and then there are some people who have four kids or twins or a lot of young ones, and it's more difficult. 
the thing that amazes me is that this woman who has four children and has endured twins is always here on time every Sunday morning. She's never late. That's, that's just that's a shout out to her, but it's also a shout out to the fact that she says, this is not an option I've bought in. I'm committed. Now, here's what I want to say. The spirit of membership says this. I may not be able to give as much, but I'm going to give what I can. Um, and we, we actually referenced a, a number of couples that are here in this house, Charlie and Val Dilcher being number one. Charlie and Val have been here for nine months, but I consider those guys family members. Right. And so community has nothing to do with how long we've been here. Community has everything to do with the level of openness your heart the level of openness that your heart has been opened up to the people of God. Because someone in nine months can actually go much further in community than someone who's been here in nine months and is withheld and has not jumped in, has not plugged in and not, who said this yesterday? Somebody said presence and proximity matter. I think that was Everett who said that. Presence and proximity matter. So there's Wednesday morning men's prayer. There's monthly women's meetings. There's monthly men's meetings. There's GC. There's Nexus. There's ministry crew. There's coming early. There's staying late. There's connecting with people at connect time. There's ministering within your vocation. There's, uh, there's you know, pull, pulling together and saying, who, who, who are our artists? Who are our entertainers? Who are our business people? Who's involved in civil government? Let's, let's find out what we can do in the scope of our vocation. There's missions team. There's there's service. Uh, There's very simply saying, I may not be able to serve officially in any of these categories, but I am going to open my heart and I'm going to make myself available when I'm there. When I'm there, I'm going to be fully present. I'm going to be active and engaged. I'm not going to be passive and wait for everybody to pursue me. This is the spirit of membership. I think about Brian and Anna Wells. They were here probably six to seven months, just just a small amount of time. Those guys are family members in the community. How many of you guys interface with Brian and Anna Wells just in the short amount of time they were here? These are people that reach out. These are people that pursue. These are people that love. They give. They worship. They engage. They do don't criticize, they don't slander, they don't accuse. These are ways that we can be a part of the family, even though there's not much that we can give. I would just, I would just add on some of those spirit of membership, um, consideration, considering others better than yourself. So if you are here identifying and being observant and saying, hey, how can I engage? What would be helpful in this situation? I love it when you're at homes and you see people that you're having a meal and then all of a sudden the people that are your guests are jumping in to do dishes and they're jumping in to be a part of whatever needs to do to tear things down, uh, put away the, the, the food that you just ate. That's fit, the spirit of membership and the spirit of being a part of that family. When you realize I'm a guest, but I'm going to operate as a family member. I'm going to think as a family member right now. And that means everyone pitches in. We had a phrase around here for a, a period of time that was, sit, you serve. And that's just, that, that's just a model of the spirit of membership that says, hey, I'm here. Maybe I can't be here that much, but I'm going to be considerate of people around me. And I'm just like, hey, I don't have to leave it for those five people that are set up teardown. I'm going to make sure all of us contribute so they can get out earlier to get to homes as well because they got families to go to. They got friends to see. They got family that they want to be with as well. So, Um, The two things that I would say that the Lord's working into my life personally uh, very simply is availability. It's just being available and making yourself available to people around you. Um, So as I interact with people and say, and, and being being open to saying, hey, why don't we go get coffee? Or why don't we, you know, and, and then following up on it and actually doing it. You know, I think, I think, we could, we could see a great growth of biblical community in this body by that one thing alone. Let's make ourselves available to one another. The other thing, I think, is um, commitment. Uh, there are different patterns and past, of, of, or rhythms of community that we have, and Pastor mentioned a lot of them. Um, life groups, men's ministry, women's ministry, GC Nexus, all these different, those, those are really rhythms of community. And basically what has to happen, if you want to seek, if you want to build community, take one. Take one or take two, take, and then commit to it and say, I will make this a priority because listen, the enemy is going to try to destroy the community. And here's why, because the community is one of the premier ways that God expresses himself in the earth. So, so, you know, he will try to put, he will, he will throw people your way the day of. Don't, you don't go to life group because you had this bad experience. He will do everything he can to mar the image of God found in community. So commit. 
I think that's the big, it's, and, and I'll just read this quote and I'll be done. It says, community patterns are not about control, but constancy, making space for each other to depend on each other. Patterns of availability and community function the same way, allowing us to depend on one another. We only went eight minutes over. I think we did pretty well. Personally, I would like to thank all four of you for allowing me to be up here. This has been an incredible honor and an incredible privilege. On behalf of the church family, thank you so much for carving out this time. This is this has sharpened me tremendously. And uh, thank you. On behalf of the church body, let me say thanks to all of you for we... The church has been moving positively in this direction for quite some time. And I, I have probably half a dozen testimonies of people that I've, that I've run into in the last year to two years. They say, wow, we, as soon as we came in the door, this place was welcoming. It felt like family. Testimonies of, of, of people that are new and, and somebody they met said, hey, let's, let's go. We'll come over to our house. We'll make you lunch right after service. I mean, we really are walking in significant community and, and it's because of your hearts, it's because of your commitment to the word, it's because of your commitment to being vulnerable and real and, 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 and koinonia, doing life together. So thank you. So we are going to, uh, we're going to.